When we praise God, we give off a light that shines in the darkness of this world around us. Listen to this thought from Pastor Mike McIntosh. So all these praises come from that, that root word, Hallel, which that root for, for that word itself represents the giving off of light by celestial bodies like the sun or the moon or stars. And that's where they get this bursting forth that when you praise the Lord, it's like light can come bursting out of us. It means to shine, to flash forth light. So when we're praising the Lord, we're flashing forth light. And I'll stand up and shout And I'll praise you, Lord Jesus And I'll stand up and sing And I'll thank you, Lord Jesus And I'll stand up and shout Welcome to Chapter and Verse, where Mike McIntosh is leading us through an exciting survey of the book of Psalms. We hope that you've been able to make this a regular appointment in your daily schedule as we progress through the Bible's book of songs and poems. The writer promised God he would praise him all of his life, and certainly this is wise preparation for praising him for eternity. And once again, we'll see the importance of trusting in God rather than trusting in man and his leadership. Now let's turn to Psalm 144 and listen to Mike McIntosh begin the message, Praise the Lord. Let's turn to Psalm 144. Psalm 144. Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle, my loving kindness and my fortress, my high tower and my deliverer, my shield and the one in whom I take refuge who subdues my people under me. Lord, what is man that you take knowledge of him? Or the son of man that you're mindful of him? Man is simply like a breath. His days are like a passing shadow. Bow down your heavens, O Lord, and come down. Touch the mountains, and they shall smoke. Flash forth lightning and scatter them. Shoot out your arrows and destroy them. Stretch out your hand from above and rescue me and deliver me out of great waters from the hand of foreigners whose mouth speaks lying words and whose right hand is a right hand of falsehood. I will sing a new song to you, O Lord. O God, on a harp of ten strings I will sing praises to you, the one who gives salvation to kings, who delivers David his servant from the deadly sword. Rescue me, deliver me from the hand of foreigners and aliens whose mouths speak lying words and whose right hand is a right hand of falsehood, that our sons may be as plants grown up in their youth, and that our daughters may be as pillars sculptured in palace style, that our barns may be full, supplying all kinds of produce, that our sheep may bring forth thousands and ten thousands in our fields, that our oxen may be well laden, That there be no breaking in or going out, that there be no outcry in our streets, crime is down. Happy are the people who live in such a state. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. Um, The final songs are known as Hallel songs, H-A-L-A-L, Hallel. It's where we got our word hallelujah. And um, these are praise songs, praise to God. In fact, uh, Psalm 145, a praise of David, it may say above some of your Psalms, of, and where it's always said a psalm of David, and this is a praise to David, it's a 
Hallel to him. Psalm 145, he's really encouraging um, that God should be praised by all of us. I will extol you, my God, O King, and I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. And one generation shall praise your works to another generation and then shall declare your mighty acts. It will meditate on the glorious splendor. I will meditate on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works. Men shall speak of the might of your awesome acts, and I will declare your greatness. They shall utter the memory of your great goodness and shall sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. This isn't the only verse in the Bible that says this, so you begin to see his personality. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. He's slow to anger. He's great in mercy. The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all his works. All your works shall praise you, O Lord, and your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and talk of your power to make known to the sons of his men, the sons of men, his mighty acts, and the glorious majesty of his kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting or an eternal kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all generations. All of our kingdoms in, in our world are not eternal or lasting. The king of rock and roll isn't even alive. And uh, you think of all the kingdoms that there are out there. King Solomon the Bales Bondsman, he, he uh, has his little kingdom downtown next to the county jail. Uh, everybody has their little kingdoms, but God's kingdom is eternal. Your dominion endures and lasts throughout all the generations. The Lord upholds or rescues all who fall and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look expectantly to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. Um, the Lord is righteous in all of his ways. We have a little bird feeder in our backyard, and so these doves come, and um, the mommies and the daddies, the pudgy ones, come with these little ones walking around with them, and they're too pudgy to get up on the uh, bird feeder because the little finches, you know, little guys get up on the bird feeders about six or eight of them at a time. So um, if I don't feed them, like um, I was gone all day and so I came back and Sandy's been out of town for a week teaching different places and, and I came back and here are these doves lined up in my backyard all facing the back door. <laughs> and I looked out the window and I thought, all right, I'll be right out there, just a minute. So they've learned that God uses me to feed them. They have expectant eyes. So if I catch you in my backyard looking at the back door, I'll bring you, bring you some rice, all right? Uh, you open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all of his ways, gracious in all of his works. The Lord is near to all who call upon him and to all who call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of those who fear him. He will also hear their cry and save them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth shall speak the praise of the Lord, and all flesh shall bless his holy name forever and forever. So we go to this next psalm after he's been telling everybody that we should praise him. He tells us why we now need to trust him, and that's why we would praise him. Again, the Hallel, the praise of the Lord, 
praise the Lord, O my soul. While I live, I will praise the Lord. Uh, as Warren Wiersbe says, it's a good time to learn while you're alive. If you're going to spend eternity with him, you want to be praising him now. I will praise the Lord. I'll sing praises to my God while I have my being. So while I'm alive and in this body, his time would be spent giving God honor and glory. Do not put your trust in princes uh, or leadership, nor in a son of man in whom there is no help in man, basically he's saying. His spirit departs him. We all die. He returns to the dust, to his earth. And that very day, all of his plans perish. I don't know if you ever thought about this yourself. It's, um, your mind is going, it's like a motion picture or a story, your life, and you've had it since you're a little girl, a little boy, and tomorrow you'll wake up with some of the memories from today, and you're following this train of thought, and you've got a vacation, you've got different things out here that your mind projects to, but on the day that you die, everything perishes. It's over with. There's this, that's why you see in movies that people go, <gasps> just before the train hits them or something. They, your life just flashes before you and everything you are planning outside of God is just uh, wasted time and energy. So he's saying, well, I've got my being. My life is about praising you, Lord. Man, his breath leaves him. His spirit departs. He goes back into the dust. And that very day, his plans, they perish. They're wiped out. So happy... Is he who has the God of Jacob for his help? I'd like you to note that, the God of Jacob, because he calls him the God of Jacob several times throughout the Psalms. And um, the, the term God of Jacob is uh, something that's very standard and it's encouraging because Jacob was somewhat of a loser. Uh, yeah, he's one of the founding fathers and the, you know, the uh, roots of um, the Jewish faith in the nation. But he was a, a, a fleshly man. And when he would submit to the Lord, God blessed him and used him. But when he would do his scheming, because he was a manipulator and a schemer, uh, he, would never, he would never make it. I think this is a great term because he tells all of us, he's our God too. And Jacob wasn't perfect, and you and I can't be perfect. But he is the God of Jacob. And that reminds us about God's, uh, God's grace. Uh, so don't put your trust in men, put your trust in God. Happy is uh, he who has the God of Jacob for his help. So all these praises come from that, that root word, Hallel, which that root for, for that word itself represents the giving off of light by celestial bodies like the sun or the moon or stars. And that's where they get this bursting forth that when you praise the Lord, it's like light can come bursting out of us. It means to shine, to flash forth light. So when we're praising the Lord, we're flashing forth light. So here we are in a day that you've worked really hard, you've gone to school, you're sitting down with other people before the Lord, you've got a Bible open and you start praising Him, light comes out of you. You've had darkness around you all day and the, the things of the world that you struggle with pull you down and make things dark. But praise is this thing that causes light to flash forth and it revives your spirit and blesses you. And it means to praise, to boast, or to be boastful. So you're boasting to the Lord in, in praising him. And the Bible says God will inhabit the praises of his people. So he'll come and be right in the midst of those that are worshiping and praising him and, and uh, blessing him. Uh, happy is he who has the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, the God who made heaven and earth. So he's not only the God of Jacob, he's the God of all creation. Uh, he's the God uh, who made the heaven and earth. He made the sea. 
and all that is in them. They didn't evolve. Who keeps truth forever. It's just not a Sunday go to meeting God. That it's just for an hour. It's forever. Who executes justice for the oppressed. Who gives food to the hungry. And the Lord gives freedom to the prisoners. And those are all attributes of, of the Lord. And 11 times he's mentioned in this psalm. So this is really a song of uh, praise to the Lord that is just going to the Lord, to the Lord, to the Lord. 11 times he's uh, praising him. And um, this word for man that we don't want to put our trust in princes or in, in man is the, is the word of Adam. It's the word Adam and it really means of the earth. So we must always remember that, that every human being uh, be it Hillary or Obama, uh, they're, they're nothing but dust and they're going back to dust. There are no superstars. Um, the business community that makes money off of public relations has made stars and, and uh, celebrityship and idols. And that's all. Uh, man has no power other than what God gives. And when it's all over and your thoughts cease, this all crumbles and goes back to Adam, where it came from, from the earth. And so this world around us, the further you get into the word, the more it dissolves in front of you and you begin to realize this is not even real around us, but the Lord is spirit and eternal and he's real. And this whole thing is designed to keep you from truth so that you can't let that light shine forth. So I can't encourage enough to be a person that prays and a person that reads the word and a person that loves the Lord and praises the Lord. He'll, he'll honor you and he'll let you see with your own eyes how fake everything is around you. And then your priorities change of what you live for. Like he said, as long as I have my being, I'm going to be a being that's praising the Lord. Uh, he made the heavens. He made the earth. He created everything that's in them. He executes justice for the oppressed. He gives food to the hungry. He, the, the Lord gives freedom uh, to the um, uh, prisoners. He lets them go free. Again, in verse 5 through 7, he's the God of Jacob, but he's the God of heaven and, and earth. And um, we can't help but in these 8th and ninth verses, as he talks about the prisoners being set free, the Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord raises uh, those who are bowed down and bent over because of their bad health or problems. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the strangers. And he relieves the fatherless and the widow. By the way of the wicked, he turns, but the way of the wicked, he turns them upside down. The Lord shall reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations, praise the Lord. Now go back for a moment, uh, excuse me, go forward to the first prophet Isaiah. And go to the 61st chapter on the right side of the Psalms here. Go past Proverbs. Look at the 61st uh, chapter of Isaiah, the first verse. And you can see that David was saying the same as Isaiah was saying who Isaiah was really speaking via the Holy Spirit and he was prophesying and speaking about the Messiah. So look at verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Chapter 61, Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news or good tidings to the poor. And that's just what he said. He was going to do good things for the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to those who are bound up, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, 
to comfort all who mourn and to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Now, before we go back here to the Psalms, go to the New Testament, the fourth chapter of the Gospel of Luke, and Jesus comes on the scene. In Isaiah 750 years, maybe a bit more before Jesus comes on the scene, is speaking out about him. But in the fourth chapter of Luke's Gospel, as Jesus is ministering, it says this. And um, 17th verse. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. So Jesus came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. That's where he was raised as a boy. And as his custom was, so we know that he went to the house of the Lord every week. As his custom was, and that's very cool and should motivate us. uh, If he went to the house of the Lord every week, we should. He went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And he stood up to read. Now there's nothing unusual about this because on the Sabbath day all over the world someone in the synagogue will stand up and take the book and they'll read from the book. It is interesting that the same scripture is read in every um, synagogue around the world at the same day. So they're following the word of God uh, globally in the synagogue. So Jesus was the male that stood up. The rabbi gave him the book. He found the place where it is written. So what he found was Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1, 2, and 3. And he read the words you just read. Now this should be inspiring to you that you're looking at the very words that Jesus himself looked at on paper. That's kind of a cool thing to know. Oh, he looked at this. He really loved the word and he was the word. So how much more should you and I love the word, huh? Um, So here it is. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the good news, the gospel, to the poor, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book, and he gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. They all stared at him. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Now, this blew their minds. Today, out of all the years that these people have grown up and heard this scripture read, he's saying this scripture is fulfilled this day. So all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, Is this not Joseph's son? And Jesus said to them, You will surely say this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. Whatever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in your country. And Jesus said to them, Truly, I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. And they knew him, and that's why they said, What? So a couple things happened here. One, he read the scripture, which they knew. The Holy Spirit was upon him, and the room probably was lit up with the presence of the Lord. He was praising God, so a light came bursting forth. But don't you find it interesting they marveled at the gracious words that came forth? So he must have given some exposition or commentary that caught their attentions. And then he points back to Isaiah 61 and says, Today it's fulfilled in your very eyes. But hold it, you're going to say, Physician, heal yourself. Show us some miracles that we've heard about you. Is this not Joseph? 
the carpenter's son. Otherwise, they all recognized him. They've known him since he was a boy, playing in the street with their sons. And it's like you, that your sisters, moms and dads and brothers and people that know you find it the hardest to believe that you're a different uh, person. So Jesus says, you will say this. So I say to you, but I tell you truly, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heavens were shut up for three years and six months. And there was a great famine throughout all the land. But to none of them was Elijah sent except to Zarephath in the region of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha, the prophet, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. So now he's showing that God was working among Gentiles. And this is upsetting them. And uh, all those in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath. They were angry. And they rose up and threw him out of the city, thrust him out, and they led him to the brow of the hill on which their city was built, that they might throw him down over the cliff. They were going to murder him right in the spot. He was blaspheming. And then passing through the midst of them, he went his way. That's kind of cool. They had such control, the word thrusting him out there says there, there's a mob, and they're taking him out through this hill. And you go to Nazareth today, you can see a hill that does look like a brow, and it does look back towards Megiddo, where the Battle of Armageddon is going to be fought. And... and uh, They're going to just shove him down and let him die. So the question is, how did he turn around and walk through him? Did he become invisible? We don't know, but miraculously, it wasn't his time. Uh, The cross was it. But this verse that you just read really is, is what David was saying, Isaiah was saying, and then Jesus fulfilled it. And you're looking and listening to the same exact words that David, Isaiah, and Jesus looked at and spoke. That's an honor that we're in their presence. So Isaiah uh, picks up on this and carries out the word for the uh, prophecy of the Messiah. And then the Messiah comes and he fulfills the prophecy and he used that. And all through Psalm 146, uh, we see how he talks about these things. He'll relieve the fatherless in verse 9. He watches over the strangers. Um, The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord raises those who are bowed down to the earth. The Lord loves the righteousness. And that's just the stories of the gospel over and over again. Praise the Lord, Psalm 147. Because it's sort of okay to sing praises. No, it's not. It is good to sing praises to our God. For it is pleasant. And praise is beautiful. Now there's three things right there that you can underline and realize... If you're having a bummer of a day and you're just walking around, you right away are doing something good. It is pleasant to sing praises is pleasant. It's not head bashing. Uh, you know, it's not thrasher music. It's not, ooh, I'm going nuts because of the drums and the guitars shrieking and people are uh, sticking their tongues out and painting their faces white. And, you, you know, it's pleasant. To praise the Lord is pleasant. And there just aren't that many pleasant things in, in our town and in our world. Your spirit needs pleasant things that you can be at peace and go, ah, oh, that's really pleasant. What a mellow deal that is. Just sit on the cliffs, uh, sunset cliffs, and watch the sun go down. That's pleasant. And then you multiply it by singing praises to the Lord as the sun's going down or you're surfing and you're out there and you're praising the Lord. You're having a pleasant experience with the Lord. And the third thing that he told us about is so important it's good it's pleasant and it's beautiful so when you are singing praises to the lord like you were just doing for the last 40 minutes it was beautiful to heaven 
They're looking down here. The angels that are sitting next to you in the empty seats, they're just digging it. They do it all the time anyhow. They don't understand why we don't. The Lord builds up Jerusalem and he gathers the outcast. Now that's very interesting. Because in the spiritual sense, that's exactly what Jesus did. He gathered all of you and all the millions and millions of people around the world. The outcasts. The people who just don't feel like this is it for them. That they don't want to follow the devil and they don't want to follow the lust of their flesh. So he builds up Jerusalem. He gathers uh, together the outcast of Israel. I find that interesting because it immediately reminded me of David when Saul was trying to kill him. You've been listening to Mike McIntosh with another message from our study through Psalms. Be with us for the Thursday broadcast of Chapter and Verse when Mike will finish this study and our series in Psalms. Did you know that podcasts or chapter and verse teachings are available to download? That's right. You can have Pastor Mike's weekday teachings downloaded through this service, and you won't miss a minute of these messages. Podcasting of chapter and verse. It's easy and it's free. Just go to our website, mikemackintosh.com, and under the teaching link, you'll see podcast. There you'll find simple step-by-step instructions so your device will automatically receive each day's message from chapter and verse. Your life takes all kinds of unexpected turns. Now you can take chapter and verse teachings with you wherever you go. Podcasting of chapter and verse, available now at MikeMcIntosh.com. Join us next time as Mike finishes the book of Psalms and part two of his lesson, Praise the Lord. Chapter and verse is presented by Horizon International Ministries. And I'll stand up and shout.